Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Hoagie Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. I am joined today by one of the two usual suspects. Here's my update on Mike McDaniel. A few months ago, he told me, I got a new job, Andrew. I'll never have to miss radio hits or podcasts because... This is just what the new job is. Well, that turned out to be wrong. So Mike McDaniel will not be with us tonight, but all the way in the 757, we got Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, what's going on, dude? Dude, why is it that the offseason comes around, Mike gets a new job, and then all of a sudden he's too cool to hang out with the guys on the podcast? I, I don't know. You might think... He might think that he's better than us. It might be the fact that sports gambling became illegal in Virginia today, and he's just making oh, things boy. up. Actually, now that I think of it, that is definitely what is happening right now. But while Mike McDaniel goes and gambles his you know, wedding fund away, we have to tell you that someone that won't gamble your wedding fund away is our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. Yes, Main Street Pharmacy is not a sports book. They are a pharmacy, and they're a pharmacy that truly cares about you. If you want personalized service, with a pharmacist that cares about your healthcare outcomes, look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. You know, first of all, Ricky, I gotta say, I gotta give a shout out here to uh, a friend of our friend, Dr. Jeremy Counts, Andrew I. He uh, was talking to Jeremy on Facebook the other day in a little conversation, and he thanked Jeremy for sponsoring this podcast. We also thank Jeremy for sponsoring this podcast, and Andrew I, we thank you for listening to us. Kind of amazing that people actually want to tune into this stuff, but we're not going to uh, take it for granted. We're just going to be grateful. We appreciate every single one of our listeners out there. But Ricky, let's start off with, I guess, some kind of surprising news. Daryl Tapp, apparently under heavy consideration to be the defensive line coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, for those of you that don't know, Tapp, a former player for the Virginia Tech football team, went to the pros, had a solid pro career, got his start in coaching this past season, taking over as co-defensive line coach alongside experienced NFL defensive line coach Bill Tierling. So now, after one season, Tapp already starting to get some outside attention from Kyle Shanahan and his staff who are looking to reboot and reload that defensive staff after Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator heading over to the disaster. That is the New York jets. Ricky. I don't know. This seems kind of premature. Almost. It doesn't really have much of a resume at Virginia tech. Do you think tap is a strong candidate for this 49ers job? Do you think he'll take it? Just give me your general musings here, man. Oh, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, so let's let's start with the fact that Tap has had a positive impact in Blacksburg um, in his short time. Virginia Tech's defensive line was easily the best unit on that side of the ball this year. Um, and they were supposed to be the worst. Yes, exactly. Um, we've seen development of guys at that spot, particularly – Amari Barno, and I do want to give credit to Bill Tierlink as well because he's someone who has plenty of coaching experience, but I'm not going to discount what Daryl Tapp has done in that regard. Um, but more importantly, what Daryl Tapp was supposed to do, he hasn't really gotten a chance to do yet, and this is where this becomes an issue. So Daryl Tapp, first of all, we saw this today, and Josina Anderson with ESPN was the one that said that uh, the 49ers were interested in bringing in Daryl Tapp. Um, that may seem odd for some people, but – uh, D'Amico Ryan, the former Houston Texans linebacker defensive coordinator there, 
in San Francisco. D'Amico Ryans and Daryl Tapp actually played together in Philadelphia uh, when they were still in the NFL as players. So there is a connection there, and that's why Daryl Tapp is under consideration. Um, I don't know if it's a good hire or not for the Niners. I don't particularly care about that. But the bigger problem here is that um, Daryl Tapp was uniquely suited to solve a couple problems that Virginia Tech is facing. And these are problems that are core institutional issues within the Virginia Tech program that need to be addressed. Number one, obviously, first and foremost, is Virginia Tech's inability to recruit in state at, at an elite level. Daryl Tapp is someone who has a long track record of playing in the NFL, um, is a charismatic guy, a young guy, someone who can relate easily with all sorts of people from all, all walks of life. Um, as, as someone who was a star at Virginia Tech and a reliable NFL player, even though he was a bit of a journeyman, he was you know, sought after multiple times. Um, Daryl has a, a, a unique resume in that regard, but the other core problem that he was perfectly suited to solve because of his, his charisma, because of his personality, because of his experience, both as a player and as a coach at Tech, was his ability to relate with former players and, and, and get them to buy in with the staff and help Justin Fuente connect with those guys because clearly there is a giant disconnect there if you just follow what goes on or you talk to people who are former players of the program back from the Beamer era. Um, Daryl was supposed to fix those problems or at least be a key part in fixing those problems. If he goes, I don't know how any of that, that stuff gets fixed. Um, there are former players still on the staff. I mean, obviously, Justin Hamilton's the defensive coordinator. Jack Tyler's now the new linebackers coach. Jerron Govea Winslow, he is on staff as, as a lower-level assistant. There are former players here, but Daryl is different. Daryl is unique. Daryl has that kind of charisma and that ability to connect with people that's kind of rare. On top of it being rare, it seems like, you know, Daryl Tapp, we talk about his personality. He, he He's a charming guy. He, he's captivating, an almost magnetic personality. And on Justin Fuente's staff especially, you need something like that when Justin is a more serious, quiet guy. He keeps everything in secrecy. You need a guy out there on the front lines, on the recruiting trail, that, that, that brings a picture of life to the program, if you will. Yeah, Justin's more of a reserved guy. Um, Daryl is a bit more outgoing. And for a lot of people, that's a personality that's easier to connect with. So if Daryl Tapp were to leave, and, and look, let's be honest here, Tech fans are going to be upset if he leaves. They'll feel a, a sense of disloyalty, and I, I understand that to a point, but Daryl Tapp has a chance to go coach at the NFL level. I mean, that's that's pretty hard to hard to beat. Now, now it's possible he's using this as a chance to get a raise, which wouldn't surprise me, and good for him. Um, but Daryl Tapp has a chance to go coach with, with an NFL organization, Um he's going to learn far more at the NFL level than he is coaching with a defensive coordinator that has almost the same amount of coaching experience as Daryl does um, really take off as a coach. Yeah. On top of that, it, this isn't just an NFL job. This is a defensive line coach job on a team that made it to the Super Bowl. It has know, some real talent on that defensive line. Yeah. 
they made it on the back of their defense. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is fine, but I mean, that defense is what got them there. That's why Robert Sala has a head coaching job right now. And I think that if I was Daryl and this offer was going to be made and I mean, you're going to stay with Justin Fuente, who's very much on the hot seat. I'm not saying that if Fuente That's were the other go, part of it, yeah. Too, but I have a hard time believing that D'Amico Ryans is going to get booted in one year after just being remote. I mean, this is a guy who, as a linebackers coach, was getting interest for head coaching jobs. San Francisco knows what they have in him. And if Daryl Tapp is the personal choice of Ryans to bring in, and obviously Shanahan and John Lynch, who's the president of football operations over there in San Francisco, are going to have say in this too, but... I feel like he, he would have more job security than he would at Virginia Tech. Absolutely. Let's be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. There are almost no things that Virginia Tech would hold over San Francisco. The only possible one being coaching at your, at your alma mater. Um, so this job is by far and away the better job, right, in San Francisco. But the – the greater issue at hand is, is who in the hell does Justin Fuente kind of bestow these responsibilities and these tasks upon if Daryl Tapp leaves? I don't think that that person is on the coaching staff right now. I don't think that at least the person that can solve those problems, yeah. I don't think he's on the coaching staff. And that's a severe issue because well, – go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say we've – We've talked at length now about how Virginia Tech's recruiting problems are showing up on the football field. We've talked at length now about how Virginia Tech's inability to connect with and relate with their former players to develop and cultivate those relationships. We've talked about how that is having a tangible effect, whether it be fan interest, donations, recruiting problems, all sorts of things. That that problem is an overarching problem that affects a lot of different aspects, almost all of which show up on the field one way or another. And Daryl was supposed to fix these things, and he's someone who's uniquely designed to fix these problems. And if he is gone, I don't see how those problems get fixed anytime soon. There's multiple ways to look at this. One, I think that something that Virginia tech fans as a fan base might not understand as much as fan bases of other programs is when you have a good assistant, you're not going to have him for that long. And we were spoiled by the fact that Bud Foster was willing to stay and coach under Frank Beamer and then under Justin Fuente and remain in that defensive coordinator role for as long as he did. That being said, I mean, you and I, I, I think you've disavowed them, but in the NFL fans of, the Washington football team, formerly known as the Washington Redskins. In Jay Gruden's first couple of years, when he was unfireable because it was so early in his tenure, you had a staff that featured Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, and Kyle Shanahan all at the same time. You have good assistants. They're going to leave. And now, I mean, these are coaches. Two of them have already made a Super Bowl, one likely to punch their ticket with Green Bay on Sunday. And the Redskins or the football team are left with whatever, but specifically in the case. And of course, I mean, you look at Nick Saban and how many active head coaches have coached under him. I mean, it's just ridiculous. NFL college. There's like 15 head coaches that have at one point been on a Nick Saban staff. But in terms of Virginia yeah. tech, the overhaul that happened after the retirement of bud with bud being gone, uh, Charlie Wiles out as well. They're just starting to create a new identity as a coaching staff. And 
to lose Daryl Tapp, who's such a big part of that on the recruiting trail, personality-wise, did such a great job in year one and have to start a new. I know you still have Tierlink, but the combination seems to be working. And in such a hot seat year, having to go back to square one, bring someone else in and jeopardize those in-state recruiting relationships that Tapp might have been able to make, I mean, it's a sticky situation for Virginia Tech. Now, I'm not going to be mad at Daryl Tapp if he leaves. This is a great opportunity for him, and if he believes it's the best opportunity for him and it is offered to him, he should absolutely take it. But Virginia Tech, unfortunately, finds himself on the wrong side of a sticky situation if he does. Yeah, um, and I'm actually working on a a piece if Daryl Tapp does leave, um, and it's going to read – Pretty much like this, Virginia Tech's offseason has not gotten off to a good start. Uh, the Hokies have not, at least the the athletic program in general, has not really done much to instill confidence or give, give fans a reason to have faith that things are going to get better this year. And that's a really dreary, depressing notion, right? That all of these things that had to happen this offseason – for Virginia Tech to realistically have a chance to show serious improvement on the football field. We're not seeing much of any of them so far. Uh, and it's early. It's January, you know, late January at this point. But things aren't looking all that great right now, if, if we're being honest. Indeed. All right. On a lighter note, let's make fun of another program who's clearly having a worse offseason. You guys know that <laughs> We played him at the Battle of Bristol. Peyton Manning, lots of football lore. Well, their head coach, Jeremy Pruitt, has been fired. Why? An internal investigation found evidence of many recruiting violations. Now, they were pretty minor recruiting violations from what they say. But what we've heard is that the sound was very much involved. (laughs) Yes, apparently. If you are a University of Tennessee recruit, you can go up to the drive-thru and ask for the volunteer special. I don't know what combo that entails, but they were handing out bags of cash money in McDonald's bags. Yes. (laughs) Not only that, not only that, but it gets worse for Jeremy Pruitt. Not only do you not have a job. Not only do you have this embarrassing fast food related story, but the University of Tennessee in an email decided to tell him that he was fired with cause, meaning that he would not get his buyout money. Ricky LeBlue, what what kind of situation did our good friend Hendon Hooker just walk into? Rocky Top seems like it's just an unmitigated disaster right now. Oh, Andrew, I'm so glad that you that you pulled that out <laughs> oh my gosh all right um Tennessee is a shit show right mike you're gonna have to bleep that out if you edit this um look th- this program has been a dumpster fire for years now right i mean first of all you had butch jones who made the turnover trash can which was just such a joke i mean <laughs> it was so corny and then Butch obviously tanks in what was it, 2017. Um, Tennessee is about to hire Greg Schiano, who it would have been a fantastic hire, in my opinion. And then the the conspiracy theorists of Tennessee football Twitter end up axing that. And then John Curry gets fired. 
and then Phil Fulmer in all of his glory ends up orchestrating some sort of coup, for lack of a better phrase. I know that's kind of a tenuous word right now in our political sphere, but Phil Fulmer basically became a tyrant, right, of Tennessee football, and he hires Jeremy Pruitt, who seemed like a decent hire from Alabama, obviously, and they end up going right down the, the, the SEC drain of corruption, and oh, it's just a mess. I mean, if if that Dan Patrick story is true, where Dan Patrick is saying that sources are telling him that they were literally handing out bags of cash and McDonald's bags, I mean, talk about actual bag men, right? Like that is literal definition bag men. Um, I always thought the bags would be a little more expensive, but I guess yeah, or, or, or maybe it would be like a grocery bag. But no, you have to you have to use the 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 McPick two bag from McDonald's. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It I, I wrote about this, and I do want to expand on this. But go ahead, Andrew. I'll let you jump in. I, I just wanted to say, Virginia Tech fans, especially those who are very dissatisfied with the state of the program right now, kind of like to wallow in our sorrows. So I think doing this and making fun of other programs might raise spirits a little bit. That being said, while we're on the topic, who is up there with Tennessee in just the complete and total unmitigated disaster of former legendary programs category? I can think of Nebraska. Who else you got? Oh, that's a good question. Um Man, I mean, Michigan's bordering on it, right? Like they're not quite there because they're five-year extension. I know, but they 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 gave him a pay cut, which basically admitted that he was not meeting expectations, but they couldn't find a better coach on the market, um, which is kind of embarrassing. Uh, man, I'm I'm trying to think of some other ones. I mean, Tennessee is from in Texas. Texas. Um, yeah. Yeah, j- j- just given the fact that they just dropped what thirty-five million to get rid of a coach, and they basically made a lateral move in hiring Sark. Um, Auburn is another one, which is crazy to think because Auburn just won a national titles a few years ago. But Auburn just dropped what forty million to fire Gus Malzahn, and they actually made a lateral move, maybe even a downgrade by bringing in Harson from Boise they, State. They couldn't get any of their top candidates. They couldn't. No one wanted to yeah. go. Why? Oh, you you have one bad season. You're out the next year. There was a year, I think it was two or three years ago, where Gus Malzahn got off to kind of a shaky start, and he was on the hot seat, and the guy won like eight straight, and all of a sudden they were ready to give him an extension, which is just – that's SEC football for you. It just means more. Um, But I wanted to expand on this and kind of make it relate to Virginia Tech a little bit because Tech fans are obviously up in arms about the program and its trajectory and where things are going, and – I get that. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm with you on most of that stuff, but um, be careful what you wish for, because there is a chance within the next year or two that Virginia tech has a, not only a new football coach, but a new athletic director. If things keep heading the way that they're headed, Um, just be careful of who you want to take that spot and be careful of who you start advocating for. Cause Phil Fulmer was a popular guy for them to advocate for given his track record at Tennessee, given the influence he has with the fan base and the donors. Um, and he clearly had no idea what he was doing. And if he did, then he was not, not just, he wasn't being negligent. He was being morally bankrupt, right. By violating rules just to try and secure a few more wins, which 
ding, ding, ding. They didn't. They were sub 500 under Jeremy Pruitt, and they went to one damn bowl game. So congratulations. I hope all the extra McDonald's bags were worth it. Um, so just be careful what you wish for. I know that Justin Fuente is not instilling confidence in fans right now, and in fans really shouldn't all be all that confident in his ability to turn the ship around. But um, when somebody comes running in claiming that they have the cure for all your ills, and um, that they can fix this thing and them alone, that they can fix it. You need to be pretty, uh, pretty, pretty skeptical of that because uh, we're seeing that play out exactly right now in Knoxville. Um, I don't know what the hell they're going to end up doing. I think they just hired Central Florida's athletic director, if I'm if right. I'm correct. Right. Um, yeah, I think which, that's him. Which is a terrific move given how successful Central Florida has been in football. That's the kind of vision that Tennessee needs right now. Um, but just be be cautious in who you start thinking of putting in power should Virginia Tech have a head coaching opening and or an athletic director opening. So uh, first thing I want to touch on is – when you say don't trust someone who comes in and says that they alone can solve all of your ills, that extends beyond this, whether it be a football oh, coach. Obvi- yeah. Yes. I was trying to avoid that, but absolutely. Yeah. You know, one of those pyramid scheme ladies on Facebook, if they say that they alone can solve all of your problems, they probably can't. But Ricky, I'm actually curious because of, the way you said it, when you said Virginia Tech might have a new athletic director, are you suggesting that Whip Babcock's on the hot seat, or are you suggesting he just might go somewhere else? Oh, he's definitely on the hot seat. Um, I don't think Tim Sands would be willing to give Whip Babcock a second crack at hiring a football coach, given how full-throated Whip Babcock's support of Justin was this offseason. And given how Witt, at least from the outside, has not imposed any sort of changes upon Justin, um, given the fact that Witt basically put Virginia Tech in in a box by signing Justin Fuente to back-to-back contract extensions and and giving him such leverage in these buyouts, Witt has put the the football program – and and this is – we're just talking about football, but folks, you have to remember – Football is ter- is is primary. Everything else is secondary. I, I understand that Buzz Williams w- did exactly what he was supposed to do. Mike Young is doing a great job. I understand that a lot of the Olympic sports at Virginia Tech are having a lot of success right now, whether it be men's soccer, which we'll get to in a second, whether it be lacrosse, women's soccer, wrestling, all these other sports are having a lot of success right now. But football is the cash cow. Football is where everything starts and everything ends. And if your football program's in the toilet, all that other stuff doesn't mean jack. So if Justin Fuente goes out there and stinks it up again next year, and he actually does get canned, I don't see any justification for allowing Whit Babcock, who has basically tied himself to the hip at this point of Justin Fuente. I don't see any justification for keeping him around and letting him pick another another uh, football coach, especially when the, the the drive for 25, which was a great idea, hasn't really had the, the kind of fundraising impact that people expected it to have. Yeah, I mean, I just, 
I wouldn't say hot seat yet, though, just given the circumstances surrounding the pandemic. I mean, let's be honest. If this season had happened in a normal non-COVID world, then maybe Witt would have gone ahead and fired Justin Fuente. Or maybe he wouldn't have. Who knows? That would have been a completely different scenario. But when the athletic department is taking such losses, and this is the guy, for better or worse, that is tasked to captain this department through a global pandemic in which they're going to take a massive, massive financial hit, you have to make tough decisions. And... I mean, I'm curious personally whether Tim Sands and whether the Board of Visitors was pushing Whit Babcock to keep Justin Fuente to begin with. Because again, remember, this was a conversation that we were having. The people in the school look at football and look at the optics of paying a huge buyout to a guy in the middle of a pandemic where both the athletic department and the school are having to lay people off. And they might say that's a short-term bad look compared to the alternative of just keeping him. I mean, for some, obviously, we're huge advocates of the football program, and we prioritize things differently, but not everyone on the Board of Visitors is going to be that way, right? I mean, I, I just think that they're going to be more supportive of that decision than that you might be giving them credit for, the people who are— And, and, that's, and that's possible, but all we can do is go off of what has been said publicly unless people, unless we have an inside track to the BOV, and, and at the moment, I don't have that. Um, so— all I can go off is what uh, is what Whip Babcock said, and he said that the money was there, um, but that wasn't a factor. The fact that Whip Babcock decided that Justin Fuente was the best person to lead this football program, and if you're going to give a vote of confidence to a coach who is firmly on the hot seat, then you yourself are kind of at least you know by association on the same seat. So. I'd be I'd be curious to get your opinion in I guess what eight nine months if Virginia Tech has a slow start to the to 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 the next year I'd be curious to hear what you have to say then um, if we're really starting to talk about Justin Fuente getting let go and then we have to start figuring out is Whit Babcock really the the best person to be making another football hire I mean that's fair that's fair it's just there's Obviously, a lot of time in between now and then, and and things could change, and w w we could see some some fundraising breakthroughs this summer, especially if the economy starts to be allowed to reopen again across the country, and money starts flowing. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm I'm starting to become very skeptical about Whip Babcock's future in Blacksburg, not because he might leave for another job, but because if and this all goes back to if they make a change at head coach if they make a change at head coach of the football program i'm not convinced that sands and the board of visitors is going to be confident and and um settled about whip babcock being the person to make that next hire they they, they very well could be but i'm skeptical i don't disagree with what you're saying but to your point Eight months from now, because I, I think about today is January the 21st that we're recording. And roughly a year ago today, we were doing podcasts about Justin Fuente to Baylor, essentially begging him to stay, given the circumstance that we thought it would put the football program in by losing a coach in mid-January. A year ago today, the first case of COVID-19 is detected in the United States of America. How things change 
over the course of a 365 day period is drastic and clear. And I think that if 2020 taught us anything, it taught us, you never know what the future holds. So I, I, I think I'm more skeptical than you of Babcock on the hot seat, given the success that the basketball program, the soccer program, the wrestling program, and all those Olympic sports have had. But like you said, Football is what pays the bills. None of those sports are possible without what football brings to the table. Virginia Tech wouldn't be the school it is academically or athletically if it wasn't for the success of the football program has had in the past. And obviously, Tim Sands and the Board of Visitors have to factor that in when making a decision about who is going to be leading that department. But on a brighter note here, we're going to say a little congratulations to Daniel Pereira, the first pick, number one overall pick in the MLS Super Draft. Yes, that's Major League Soccer Pereira, one of the studs, clearly the stud on the Virginia Tech men's soccer team, becomes just the third Virginia Tech athlete ever to be picked number one overall in a professional sport. He joins Bruce Smith and a guy you might know named Michael Vick. Ricky, you've been around Virginia Tech for a long time, and Pereira wasn't the only player from the Not that team. long. I'm only 26, man. Jeez. 26 years old. Good God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but how have you seen this men's soccer program grow? Is Virginia Tech a soccer school now? No. Um, Virginia Tech is, has been, and will be a, a football school. There's nothing changing that. However, uh, I, when I did cover tech closely for TSL, I did get the opportunity to interview Mike Brizendine multiple times. Um, first of all, fantastic guy. He's, he's absolutely terrific. Um, I'm very happy for him personally that his program has really started to kick things into gear over the last couple seasons. This is awesome for him and his program. Obviously it's awesome for Virginia tech. Um, soccer is obviously a sport that gets overlooked a lot. Um, especially on the men's side, cause, uh, believe it or not, a lot of schools are getting rid of men's soccer, whether it be, for financial reasons or reasons that are directly related to COVID-19 um, and the cuts that schools are making there. But this is absolutely terrific for Daniel. It's terrific for Virginia Tech. Um, he's going to Austin FC, which is apparently an expansion team in MLS. I'm not a huge soccer guy, although I love playing FIFA. Um, no, it's, it's awesome. It's great for Virginia Tech. It's another example of a non-revenue athlete uh really achieving uh, a, a level of stardom that's pretty rare. I mean, Makai Lewis winning the, an NCAA championship in wrestling was was pretty similar to this, but this has a chance to be a lot bigger if he goes into MLS and starts to make a star out of himself. Yeah, absolutely. And the other player drafted, Christo Strickler, drafted 30th overall. He goes to the Houston Dynamo. Congratulations to both of those gentlemen. Wishing them the best of luck in the future. Make sure to rep Virginia Tech when you're doing bigger things. Last thing I want to talk about, Ricky, and not a lot going on in Virginia Tech world this week, but we're kind of hitting all these news and notes. But men's basketball is obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind this week. And we know that Wednesday's matchup with Boston College canceled because of COVID 19 issues within the Boston College program. However, Virginia Tech. They sit at number 16 in the country. Yes, nationally ranked number 16. This is a spot that we did not think we would be in 
I don't think it's, I, I was going to say it's one of the few pleasant surprises that 2020 and I guess the early part of 2021 has brought us. What should be the expectation? I want you to give me a ceiling and a floor, Ricky, and, and tell me why. Well, I think tech, ha- I mean, the, the ceiling is them winning the ACC. The ACC is not all that great this year. Um, tech is, last I checked, second in terms of wins in the ACC. Um, there's a lot of time in, in which that can fluctuate, but Tech is easily one of the best three to four teams in the ACC. Um, they're as deep as anybody in the conference. If if Duke can't get their stuff together, then um, the ACC really is wide open. Virginia is, is definitely a bit one-dimensional, more so this year than in years past when they were competing for national championships. So the ACC is definitely there. The floor, they'll probably finish anywhere from four to five in the conference. Um, this is a tournament team unless things go completely off the rails, which I don't think is realistic. Um, this team definitely has a chance to make another Sweet 16 run. I think that's probably the ceiling for me, just given how young this team is. Um, they they have overachieved thus far. They have shocked me thus far. They have gone. They have been far better than I think they would be this year. Uh, so I could easily be wrong on that, but I think realistically the ceiling for them is probably a sweet 16 run. And then the floor would be obviously a first round exit in the tournament. Uh, realistically, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. Um, the, the, I think they, they probably win a game early on. And then I, I think they'll, they could lose in the second round, but I think it's definitely more likely that they win and, and go to the sweet 16 than it is that they get knocked out in the first round. But um, it, it, it's it's refreshing being able to talk about a, a team in an optimistic fashion, given what we've seen from Tech basketball thus far. I mean, the, the game against Wake was obviously not all that fun to watch. Um, Tech wins that game by four. They probably should have lost that game, but the fact that they didn't and the fact that they were able to go on the road, play like crap, and still get a win is important, and it's impressive. And those are the kinds of games that you have to win if you're going to win the ACC. So it's certainly an encouraging sign. Um, what they do against Syracuse here in a couple days, that's going to be big. Playing in the dome there, the popcorn Jiffy Pop Dome is is always a a, a weird experience for basketball players. Um, and then if you look at the rest of the schedule, there's still plenty of tough games on there. Obviously, uh, Virginia, which will be the first time they've played them, that's not going to be easy. Uh, a road trip to Pitt, who just beat Duke, that's, can't overlook that. A uh, road trip to Miami, they do get Florida State in Castle. Uh, then they get Louisville in Castle back-to-back games. And later on the year, they do have to take another trip to Florida State. So there is a there are a lot of games left. Um, there's a lot to be determined. But given what we've seen thus far, it's hard to not see, uh, at least it, optimistically, this team can win the ACC for sure. They are a legit contender in this conference. I think the most encouraging thing that we've seen out of this Virginia Tech team is that Young's system is working. I mean, Steve Forbes, the new head coach over at Wake Forest, pointed this out in the press conference after the game. He said that they've gotten guys, they being Virginia Tech, have gotten guys on the team that care about winning, not themselves. And that's something they believe in here at Virginia Tech. And you see the selfless play, guys playing to this system. It's not like last year, Landers and Alley going one for 30, chucking up all those shots and missing because he got... (laughs) It's true. It's true. And someone pointed out to me, Penny Hardaway is having a 
hard time right now at Memphis. And he was asked, why are we losing? And he said, it's because we have guys that, that seem to care more about themselves. Than they care about the team and they care about winning these guys at Virginia tech from number one to number nine on the depth chart play so incredibly well together. And you haven't seen that slip up yet. And that's to your point, Ricky, encouraging. They went on the road in the ACC. They got tested by a lesser opponent, but they never wavered. They played it all the way through. They didn't let the the circumstances get the best of them, and they came away with a victory. And, and I think that's, uh, that's super important. And when you look at a system based on selfless play that's centered around the system and centered around the team, when you play in a conference as hard as the ACC, where I know they're not good this year, but you have Duke and you have North Carolina in there, and those guys are always going to be at the top, and you have good programs like Florida State and like UVA. Well, what's the, the roadmap to get at the top and stay at the top. You're not going to out-recruit Duke in North Carolina. you got to recruit to the system. you got to recruit those selfless-style players. That's how Tony Bennett got UVA to this point, where they are a consistent top-of-the-conference juggernaut. He recruits to their system. Whether you like the system or not, whether you think it's boring or not, he brings in guys that allows the system to be successful, and they were rewarded with the national championship. That's got to be the roadmap that Mike Young follows, and early returns are looking good. Absolutely. I just realized that Landers Nolly is playing fewer minutes at Memphis than he played at Tech and is scoring fewer points per game than he scored at Virginia Tech. I find that quite interesting. Indeed. Indeed. I hate to try. We're not, we're not trying to try. It's just a reality of the No, I'm, 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 I'm actually surprised because I kind of thought he was going to go into Memphis and be a bit of a focal point there, um, but that hasn't really been the case. I agree. I agree. All right, Ricky. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this, but I do have a couple questions. NFL Sunday conference championships. I need your picks. Kansas city and Buffalo. Um, is Pat Mahomes playing? Uh, so we are assuming he's playing. Okay. If he's playing, I'll take Kansas city. I, I'm not going to bet against Mahomes. Um, although it would be nice to see Buffalo get back to a super bowl. Uh, so I'm just going to pick completely based on my own self-interest and hope it happens. I got the Buffalo Bills. A couple months ago, I put $20 to win 200 on them to make the Super Bowl, and I will cash that check if they win on Sunday. So please, Buffalo Bills, please, Josh Allen, I need this. I need this badly. Please, please, please. And go Tremaine Edmonds. I think he's the only Hokie that's left yeah. of these NFL teams. So between my own financial self-interest and Virginia Tech connection, we're going with the Bills. Packers. And Bucks, Rodgers and Brady, who you got? I desperately want Green Bay to win this game. Um, I've always been a fan of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Pat, the Packers have always been a team I've kind of respected um, go, growing up as a kid, and I've always liked Aaron and the way he's played the game. That said, I think Tampa wins this game. I'm not betting against Tom Brady in the playoffs. I think Tampa's defense is going to be a problem for Aaron. Uh, I think they're going to take Devontae Adams uh, at least somewhat out of the game. They're going to limit him. So give me the Bucks. unfortunately. Well, the Bucks were my preseason pick to win the Super Bowl when Nathan Brennan, my best friend slash radio co-host, told me that the Bucks weren't even going to make the playoffs. So if they do win the Super Bowl, I look really good on this one. That being said, 
Tampa Bay beat Green Bay in the regular season. In that game, Aaron Rodgers had like the worst quarter of his career. Three for 13 for like 25 yards, a pick, and then another almost pick. Well, I think one of those was a pick six, and then the other was just a regular interception. I have a hard time believing that's going to happen again. Tampa Bay did so well against Drew Brees by playing man the entire time. I think with a fully healthy Packers receiving staff that Aaron Rodgers has kind of figured out, I just don't see it as a tenable solution. So hard to pick against Tom Brady, but I'm going with Aaron Rodgers, best quarterback in the league this year. Josh Allen, probably the second. I predict they'll meet in the Super Bowl. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks for our to our good friends over at Main Street Pharmacy, Main Street Pharmacy in downtown Blacksburg. If you want a pharmacy that truly cares about you, look no further than Main Street Pharmacy. Dr. Jeremy Counts and his wonderful staff will take care of everything you need. Rate, review, subscribe. Ricky, any final messages for the people? Go bombard Mike Mid McDaniel on Twitter. Tell him to get his ass on the podcast now. Um, and go read uh, Dave Scarangello on uh, DallasDistrict.com. He is not on Twitter at the moment. Don't blame him. Uh, so go read his stuff. Go read Mikey's stuff. Make sure you listen to Andrew's show daily. Uh, go read my stuff as well. Shameless plug. But yeah, go bombard Mike McDaniel on Twitter. Tell him he's mid. Tell him he needs to get his ass on the pod. Mike, if you're hearing this, get your ass back on the pod, and I'm done. Yeah, Mike, come on, man. We need you. All right, folks. <laughs> enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the NFL yeah, game. We're getting down to the last football we're going to have before uh, Virginia Tech fires it up in August. But we'll have plenty of content between now and then. Virginia Tech basketball football preseason, all that. Subscribe. You don't want to miss it. Until then, go Hokies.